The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. So good to uh, have the opportunity to uh, uh, be speaking today. We're out of the Nutrients Preach series, so if you've been uh, coming along for a number of weeks, you'll, you'll realise we've been going through these various nutrients and uh, we're having a break this morning. Um, we have Sam and Claire there over in Bexhill serving the guys over there. Um, we, we, we drew straws. Um, Hastings got the short one. So, uh, but, but Sam and Claire are over there and it's going to be, uh, they, they, they're going to be, they're going to be great. Why don't we just spend a moment actually, because we, we don't often do this sort of thing. Why don't you spend a moment, quickly turn to the person next to you, pray for God's massive blessing on the church over in Bexhill, that God will bless Sam and Claire, that they'll have an incredible time meeting with God. 30 seconds, Pray. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Today, today I'm going to be speaking on the subject of prayer. Um, we're we're going to be uh, looking at that. It's something that God has been speaking to me about personally over the last few months. He's 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 been really gently but clearly provoking me about my sort of personal prayer life and my prayer life as, as a leader within the church. And uh, I was away at um, a New Ground Leadership Conference last week and there were two sessions on prayer there. And, and just again, just so helpful. All stuff that I'd heard before, do you know what I mean? All stuff I'd heard before, yet, yet the Holy Spirit came and made it live afresh with me. And uh, to be honest, that's my prayer for this morning. Um, I, I, if you've been around for a few years, I won't tell you anything you don't already know. I, I know that's the case. But I do pray that the Holy Spirit will come and freshly stir and inspire you when it comes to prayer, both personally, but also what we do together corporately. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 11. It's always good to bring your Bibles to church. And it's, it's good to sort of have them with you. You never know, God might speak to you about a verse or something that you need to bring in the worship. And if you haven't got a Bible, you can't do that. So uh, do bring your Bibles with you, um, whether on your phone or, um, or a good old-fashioned paper version. Um, it's always good to uh, have one. Mark chapter 11, picking it up in, in verse 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts. And he looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went over to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Imagine being there when Jesus did that. 
You know, you just went for a leisurely walk through the temple courts and there is Jesus causing absolute havoc. Can you imagine it? They they were selling doves and pigeons and stuff like that and Jesus went in and turned over tables and he said he wouldn't even let someone, what did he say? He wouldn't even let anyone carry merchandise through the temple courts. You think that's just one person. You sort of think what, what was going on there with that You know, we sort of think of Jesus meek and mild, don't we? There wasn't much meek or mild about Jesus when he was stopping all of that going on in the middle of the temple. He he was angry with what he saw and what he had seen the temple had become. And then he explained why he got so cross. He said this, is it not written? Isn't it clear to all of you, he was saying, in the temple in Jerusalem, isn't it clear to you all, don't you know from the Old Testament, don't you know from the Scriptures what my house is supposed to be all about? It's supposed to be about prayer. Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from its roots. That fig tree, dead. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins." Jesus is approaching the end of his earthly ministry. He is about to die on the cross and he's come to Jerusalem. And what we've just read covers about 36 hours of his life. And I think that verse 17 is the sort of key verse. This is the one that really stood out to me. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Now I've already said they should have known this. And we should know this too. If you look back through the Old Testament, you see the centrality of prayer. You think about Moses, that incredible leader. He spent 40 days up a mountain twice, praying. Just just sort of, he knew. And whenever anything went wrong, Moses went to God in prayer. That, that That was where he went. Nehemiah. Another hero of the Old Testament who who was used by God to see Jerusalem physically rebuilt. But when he heard that Jerusalem was in an absolute state, it it was ruins. This is how he responded. He wept and mourned for many days and continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Hannah, who, who, who longed for a child, came up to the tabernacle where God dwelt. And it says, in deep distress and prayer and weeping bitterly, she came before God. She asked God for a child. She had nowhere else to go. Anna, 
who only briefly appears in the birth of Jesus. That's that story. But, but I don't know if you've ever noticed it. It's absolutely mad. It says that she spent all of her time in the temple worshipping, fasting and praying day and night and she did it for decades. And then you've got the book of Psalms right in the middle of the Bible. The biggest, the biggest book, 150 Psalms, what are they? They're prayers, they're, they're songs of worship. They are full of thanksgiving, praise, request, repentance, lament, mourning because of loss and grieving. But they're all between human beings just like us and God. That The Bible is clear that, that if we are his people, we are called to pray. And I just want to pull out seven very simple things that I hope will encourage you when it comes to prayer. First one, number one. And I may go through some of them really quick. I may linger on others. Um, but I want us to have some good time at the end. Do you know what? If you are a Christian here today, if you are a follower of Jesus, you may not know it and you may want to argue with me afterwards. I'm up for that. I'm up for a good scrap if you're littler than me. And if you're bigger than me, I'm going to have to find someone taller to come and stand next to me. Um, prayer is in your DNA. Prayer is in your DNA. You, you may not think it is, but if you are a follower of Jesus, it's in your DNA. Jesus wouldn't say something like, my house will be called a house of prayer if he hadn't equipped us and enabled us to be a prayerful people. It's just part of who we are. And the reason I say that is because I think there are going to be some of you here right now who think, I can't pray. I've tried and it doesn't work. I find it difficult. So, so, so maybe, maybe there are some people who pray lots and, and I'm one who just doesn't pray. No, no, no. If you're a Christian here today and you'll see as we go through, prayer is part of your DNA. Jesus says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's like the house rules. This is Jesus' house and he says that what's going to define us, what is going to be seen more than anything else is that we are prayerful, both personally and corporately. He could have mentioned anyone in a number of things. He could have mentioned, and you've heard these sorts of things before, he could have mentioned preaching, discipleship, care for the poor. He didn't mention any of those. He says, my house will be called a house of my house will be called a house of for all nations. And, and this is not cultural either. It's not that some parts of the church around the world are really good at praying. And then other parts where we're a little bit more reserved and, you know, it just doesn't suit how we're wired. Rubbish. We will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And there is something amazing, I think, that happens when, when we gather on a Sunday and we've got the nations here. And I don't know if Dan knew I was going to say this. I didn't tell him. But it was lovely to hear people praying out in their own nations because it's a little reflection of what heaven is going to be like when we get to be with him. It is awesome. Wonderful. Secondly, prayer is the language of adoption. I don't know if you, if you knew that. 
Prayer is the language of adoption. We see it in the passage we read. We see it even more clearly in Matthew 6 verse 9. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. How awesome is that, right? We get to come before the Creator God, the Lord of all the earth, the one who every knee will bow before. I get to come today, this morning. I, this morning, I woke up this morning. I staggered down the stairs, wiping sleep out of my eyes. I hadn't even brushed my teeth. I mean, I wouldn't even come and talk to you without brushing my teeth. I, I make a cup of tea, I go into the living room and I lift up my voice and I say, my father in heaven, how ridiculously privileged am I that I get to speak to the God of it all and I come and I come to him and he's my father. Now, I know we know it, but we may have lost the wonder of it. I haven't even brushed my teeth. I can come anytime I want and pray to him, my father who aren't in heaven. When Hannah, when Nehemiah, when Moses came, they came to the creator God. They came to the Lord of all. They came to the God of Israel. That is exactly who he is. He hasn't put any of that aside. But I come, my father who aren't in heaven. And whether I'm having a bad day or a good day, whether I've been particularly holy or, or, or not, do you know what I mean? I can come before my Father and I can come with a confidence, not because of what I have done, but because Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, he died on a cross, paid the price for my sin and I get to come in on his access card. He made a way that I could never make a way. And so whether, whether it's after 40 days of prayer and fasting, I come before God, my Father, or whether I'm wiping sleep out my eyes, I can hardly speak to anyone in the room, yet I'm sort of like, like that and I say, oh, oh, Father, I come and He is there and He is my Father. That is the relationship that I come. This is the language of adoption. What privilege. Now, I think that's good news. Do you think that's good news? It's good news. That's an invitation for us all. Access because of what Jesus Christ has done. Not, not just to come and offer up the odd prayer here or there in request, but this is the language of relationship. Please hear, if nothing else, I think please hear this morning the Father inviting you, come, come talk with me. Come spend time with me. He, he loves to relate with us. Thirdly, prayer mixed with active faith. In Mark eleven twenty two, 22, we read, and, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. That's brilliant. Prayer is not a formula. It is not a chant. It is not a spell if we say the right words. It is active, it is dynamic, and the key ingredient is faith in God. And truth is, we can pray without faith. We're encouraged to pray with faith in God. Believing that God exists, believing that he is able, and believing that he is willing. Faith isn't, isn't just automatic. I don't know if any of you know, real, you know, I know you know this. In this room, there will be some of you with great faith. 
Some of you with little faith and some of you with no faith in, in certain areas of your life. And, and truth is, the Bible seems to say we're at least in part responsible for the level or the measure of our faith. You know, faith's like a petrol tank in a car. You're driving your car around, you're, you're walking through life and at times you just need to fill up that petrol tank. You, 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 need, to, you need to see your faith growing. This morning, for some of us, we will walk out of here and our faith will have been strengthened because we've encountered the living God, we've sung truth out. For others, you'll walk out of here completely the same as you walked in. Because, because it's faith, it's, there's an interaction, a dynamic interaction that goes on. I'd encourage you, friends, I'd encourage you, prepare yourselves to gather with the saints. Prepare your heart. Come, come ready to worship, come ready to glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God loves faith and he responds to it. I'm, 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 I'm trying to learn myself when it, when it comes to prayer, not just to pray with autopilot on, but to pray with my ears open to God, listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying, that, that my faith can respond to what he is doing. I can, back in the summer, I was in a central St. Leonard's um, meeting down in the Azure on the seafront and I think it was either the first or the second meeting and different people were sharing and someone shared in that meeting how they had been praying that Central St Leonard's would meet in the Azure on the seafront. They were praying it when it was never even an option, when it was never likely to happen but, but they, they, they got this burden from God and they prayed, oh God would you open up this building for us that we might, we might be a gospel community speaking out their active faith, grabbing hold of God. What are you, what are you grabbing hold of God for? Who are you grabbing hold of God, you know, for? Who is it that, that, that you, you're praying for that God would move afresh in their lives? This is an invitation, come. God would say, come and ask me, come and seek me. Uh, number four, prayer comes with great promises. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. That, that, that's sort of too good to be true, isn't it? Doesn't it sound like you're sort of thinking, what? Really? You know, that, that, that is right out there. In this passage and many others in the Bible, there are so many wonderful promises to come after God in prayer. Their invitations come find out. And I've, I've already said it, actually, I got mixed up on my notes. But, but I'll say it again now. It's like the Father is saying, come, have an adventure with me. Come in prayer. Come, come and, 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 and start going after stuff with me. Where you want to see change, where, where you're... Where you're you're, you're gutted that a situation is like it is. Bring it to me in prayer. There are great promises in Scripture that we can lay hold of. And, and at the end, at the end, one of the things we're going to do, because it'd be daft for me to talk about prayer and for us not to actually do it. So at the end, I'm going to put some, well, I'm not actually, Alan's going to put some passages up at the end and we're going to pray into them. Prayer plus agreement with God 
equals effective prayer. Number five, prayer comes with disappointment. It, it does. I'm sure we have all experienced times where we have prayed for stuff. We went after God for it and he just didn't seem to do or he didn't do what we were asking him to do. I can think of a couple of instances. Actually, one of them's linked to Central St. Leonard's. I was certain that we would get the RVS building down in Central St. Leonard's. I certain we'd get it. We even had prophetic words about it. You know, it all seemed to line up. Did we get it ever? No. We haven't got it. Totally closed. But, but I thought we would. I, I know of other instances where I have gone after God in prayer for healing or to see a change in people's situations. And truth is, he just hasn't answered. Now, in some instances, I can honestly say he hasn't answered yet. And in other instances, if I'm honest, I've just got to say he didn't answer. Not, or certainly not in the way, not in the way that I wanted him to. Could be salvation, could be healing, could be a family situation. How do we handle it? The truth is, if we want to grow in prayer, we're going to have disappointments and we will have delay. It will, it will happen. How do we handle it? I think, I think how we handle any pain or disappointment is we need to recognise it. We need to recognise the pain, the disappointment. I think it's good to bring it to God in prayer. I think it's good to share it with other people that you know and love and that you can trust so that you can carry it together. I think it's a journey, that pain will be a journey that you walk through. Can I plead with you that it is not a destination you remain at? It's a journey you walk through. But we look to remember God's faithfulness with thanksgiving as we continue to walk through it. Prayer with persistence equals effective prayer. Number six, prayer can be hindered. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Unforgiveness will affect your relationship with Jesus and therefore affect your prayers. But it also says elsewhere in the Bible, it talks about husbands, be considerate to your wives so that your prayers are not hindered. Now, that doesn't mean that you get disconnected from God but it does mean that if there are areas of sin or compromise in your life, it will affect your prayer life. If you're carrying unforgiveness and you're struggling in your prayer life, as a pastor, my first encouragement to you to, would be, deal with the unforgiveness first. Bring it to God, however hard or painful it is. Look to try and work that through with him. And I'm sure that your prayer life will be improved by it. What I'm saying is easy to say from the front, it is very difficult to do. But the Bible gives very clear things in Scripture that are there for our blessing and instruction. And then number seven, the last one. Prayer is something to be practised. 
One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. I'm, I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm, I, said, I said earlier, last few weeks, God is encouraging me, Father's encouraging me in my prayer life. Hello there. I'm still learning. I'm still looking to grow with it. Even though prayer is the language of adoption. Hey, you doing? Are you all right? No, no, you can't have that. Maybe when you're, maybe when you're a little older. Although prayer is the language of adoption, it's still something to be learned. Still something to be learned. You know, like, like a toddler learning to talk is, is in a sense, if you've just come to know Jesus, it will take you a while to grow your prayer language. But how odd, hey? How odd it would be. It would be, it would be, it would be odd, wouldn't it? If there was someone maybe who was maybe 20 years old, but they'd never learned to t- communicate, that, well, that would be wrong. But, but the way, and, and, and in some cases, isn't it, I think that, that within schools and things, there's a need for speech therapy and stuff because of a lack of communication in the home following the whole COVID thing. There's, there's some of those challenges that are out there because people haven't, little children haven't learned to speak as they should. But, but how, about, how about for us? The fact we're older as Christians doesn't necessarily mean we've learned to pray. Now, now I'm not saying that to make you feel bad, but I, I suppose I want to encourage you. The Father's here inviting you to say, come learn to pray. He's given us the Holy Spirit that we can learn to pray. And and prayer is a bit like a swimming pool. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. You probably haven't. A swimming pool has a shallow end and a deep end, and so does prayer. You know, and so at that shallow end of prayer, you know, let me encourage you, as prayer needs to be practised, try and set aside a time every day to pray. And I think if you pick the same sort of time every day, it will work better for you. It doesn't have to be long, but, but trying to find that place, that place, that time in your day. Go into your room, close the door. Start with prayer little and often. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. He really does want to help you to pray. He will help you to pray. Maybe, maybe if you really don't know where you're starting, find someone that looks wise like your connect group leader probably looks very, very wise and ask them and they will give you some helpful things to help you pray. I don't know why there's so much laughing about that. We have very wise connect group leaders. Um, Maybe use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern. If you Google the Lord's Prayer um, as a pattern, you know, you will find some helpful stuff in there. Can I encourage you? And I know, I know for some of you, it's like the worst place you just don't want to come. But come along to the prayer meetings. It will do you good. Even if you don't pray, you just watch. You have totally my permission to come along to the prayer meetings and do nothing but watch. But, but come and catch something of what it is when we pray corporately. But what about the deep end of prayer? Why not, why not try and get... A few hours at Ashburnham. It's a prayer retreat place just down the road. Go for a wander around the lakes and pray and talk to your father there. 
I heard of an instance at the conference where someone's regular prayer slot was between 1.30 and 3 in the morning. Any volunteers to take that one on? So they'd set their alarm, they'd wake up at 1.30, they'd pray for an hour and a half in their living room and then they'd go back to bed again. Wouldn't work for me, but it worked for them. I heard of someone else who prays for their city every other week. And the way they pray for their city is they wait till it gets dark and then they go for a prayer walk around their city, 17 miles, and they pray through the night, right the way around their city for God to bring breakthrough into every neighbourhood. There's a deep end. There is a deep end to prayer. Maybe for you, you need to learn to fast. That means going without food for a season of time in order to create space and time to go after God. Prayer with fasting improves prayer's effectiveness. This week, I received an email from someone in the church who has said they're going to set aside time every single week for 40 weeks to pray and fast for revival in our town, in our community. There is a deep end to prayer. And the great thing with fasting is it's a mechanism that humbles us before God. When I am there and I've missed my breakfast, it's amazing even when I miss breakfast how hungry I get. And by about 10 o'clock in the morning, my stomach is rumbling and I'm thinking, I am really, really hungry. What it reminds me is, no, no, I am more hungry for you, Lord God, than I am for my breakfast. I, I turn it, no, I am more hungry for you. Kings is built on decades of prayer, corporate prayer. I believe the reason we are as we are right now is not because of good leadership or talented musicians or anything like that. It's because right from the very beginning, back in 1970-something or other, four, six, something like that, we, four, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And one of the ingredients for our future is that we pray and that we pray and that we pray. And I believe we have got we have got such a rich heritage of it that we should celebrate, but we have got so much more to learn. We have got so much more to learn about prayer, both individually and corporately. And I, I believe that even in this moment and in this season, I think God's calling us to pray. He's calling us as a church to pray and he's calling you to come again and pray. And so what I'd love us to do by way of response is if you're able to, is to stand and to get into groups of three or four. If you've never prayed before, you're a guest here, just watch. But if you feel confident to, gathering groups of three or four, and Alan, can we put that last slide up? There are three different promises up there from the Bible that we can use as like patterns or give us confidence to pray. It says this, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Oh God, would you do it in our time? Amen. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. We can pray with confidence knowing, hey, it's God's desire that all people come to know him. They won't all come to know him, but in his heart he is predisposed to that. 
And Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Can I just encourage you, spend a few moments, we're going to spend a few moments together praying and you can use those that they will give you confidence. They are promises in the Word of God we can lay hold of. Oh God, would you move in our town? Oh God, would you move in our communities? Lord God, would you move in our families? Lord God, we are asking you for breakthrough. So on our feet.